Okay. Hello, everybody. It's the last day. Um, I want to apologize in advance. I, I am full, full blown have a cold, so I'm going to do my best uh, to enunciate everything. Um, we really appreciate you coming. My name is Nino Bice. I'm the product manager for Amazon Comprehend. And Ben Snively, a uh, service architect on the team, will join us today to do a bunch of demos for you. So we're actually going to go pretty deep, um, a lot of code level stuff to kind of show you how to think about and build NLP uh, text analytics solutions. <coughs> so we really like to start this story uh, and, and, and narrate it in a way that talks about all data, analytics with all data. And what we mean by that is, you know, traditionally, we're used to working a lot with structured data. So transactional data, historical data, data warehouse, um, databases, building you know, database-driven applications. A lot of us have really important information that's unstructured. Uh, this could be web data. This could be voice data. You, know, you can imagine you're using something like Amazon Transcribe and you're transcribing data. There's a ton of value in this unstructured data. And historically speaking, it's not been very easy to work with unstructured data, right? You'd have to effectively learn machine learning, go browse the vast number of open source frameworks that are available to you. There's a lot of really good ones. You'd have to specialize in NLP. If you don't have a team, you have to acquire a team. Uh, and then you'd have to continuously learn how to train and retrain these models. This is a lot of work just to go make sense of unstructured data if you, you, know, if you compare it to something like a, like a database application. So what we really want to focus on with Amazon Comprehend, obviously it's an AI service that's in the machine learning team, but really the story is about transacting with unstructured data. So you can have an analytic story that encompasses all of your data. So the service is Amazon Comprehend. How many folks in the room have heard of Comprehend or have any experience with NLP? Awesome, this is really great. So Amazon Comprehend, we like to say it's fully managed, which means you know, we, we run it for you. Uh, and mo more importantly, it's continuously trained. So the team itself is comprised of half engineers that are running the service at scale, so it's highly performant. And then the other half of the team are data scientists that specialize in NLP. And they're continuously working, we're continuously working with customers. We're acquiring more data as we go. We're retraining the service. We have customers that call us and say, you know, I didn't think, I didn't think this particular data, the, the response from the service was that accurate. We go collect data, we learn, we train the service, we might swap out the algorithms. So it's really a data science team and a data engineering team focusing on NLP in a box. That's really sort of how to think about the team. So the service itself is comprised of these features. You know, so in natural language processing, we call them entities. These are proper nouns, common nouns, right? So these are the, the key noun words in your text. Uh, we extract key phrases. Key phrases are things like common nouns or noun-based phrases. So again, you know, it's like, what's in my text? You know, it's unstructured. I want to know what's inside of it. We identify languages. So we have a lot of customers say, you know, I, I obviously do business um, across the world. I want to understand what kind of data is coming in to my, you know, to, to my S3 store or my data warehouse. We have sentiment analysis. Um, so this is very popular if you want to understand what people are saying. So we'll actually take a string of text uh, and we'll, we apply a machine learning model over it to read the text and we'll tell you if, if that string of text is negative um, or if it's positive or if it's neutral or if it's mixed. This is really, really important in a scenario where you can imagine, you know, maybe you're running a data or a call center and you're transcribing your phone calls 
And you want to know what's going on. You want to know what was negative. And then when customers were negative, what did they say specifically? And then you could start to see how you'd, you'd work through the APIs to understand, well, who were the people mentioned? What were the brands or products mentioned? What were the, what were the descriptive words used, right? So we have a syntax API that actually uh, will parse the words and then ap apply a part of speech. So we'll know what are the verbs, what were the adjectives used when, during that conversation right, or in that snippet of data. The, the other API we have is something called, it's a grouping or clustering API. It's, it's, and the official name is topic modeling. This API will look at a set of documents, actually look at the contents, and then statistically like distribute them across a range. So what that means is, let's say you have 1,000 documents, and you don't really know what's in them. You can ask the service to organize them into 10 clusters or 20 clusters based on whatever fidelity that you want. So then you can actually see the documents grouped on similar keywords. So it's a really nice service to uh, group documents. The service itself is available in English and Spanish, French, German, Italian, and Portuguese. Um, and we, uh, every year, and we'll continue to add more languages and add more regions. So real quick, let me, great. So the service itself, if you haven't seen the service, you know, it's, it has a really nice uh, console component in the AWS management portal. We actually have a, a nice try it yourself tool. You can actually go to the console, copy and paste any text you want. So grab some text that's really important to your business, paste it in, and then you can actually see the results. So in this case, we have some sample text here. And then if I go down here, you can see these are named entities. So named entities means they're effectively typed proper nouns. So we can see Amazon.com, we know it's an organization, uh, Seattle's a location. The service is based on a neural model, so we actually know if the mention of Iran is in context of the, the location of the country, or if it's a political article, we know it's, you know, it's, it's a, effectively a political organization. So we continue to get better to understand contextually what are these words in context of this, of this particular document. Uh, as recently as I think it was 11.15 and 11.16, just a couple weeks ago, Comprehend took a massive step forward. And we introduced custom Comprehend. This is really important because we had a lot of customers come to us and say, I really like your service. It's great. It's pre-trained. I don't have to do anything myself. It's, it's highly accurate. But I need to add the entities that are important to me in my business. So for example, I, I love that you extract location. I love that you extract organization. But you know, I'm running a manufacturing business. I want to extract my own part codes. Or I'm running an insurance company and I want to extract policy numbers that are specific to my business. And so what we did is the team took on the challenge to figure out how do you allow our customers, how, how can we enable our customers to build custom natural language processing models without going back. If you remember that first slide I showed you, how do we do that without going all the way back and, and having them who have to learn machine learning, collect data, learn how to train models. And so the team took on the challenge and we built something called Custom Comprehend, which effectively automatically trains these models for you. You just feed the service a little bit of data and I'll show you what that means. So we, we did two features for custom comprehend. We did custom classification. Classification and natural language processing is effectively organizing your documents or your text into your own categories. 
So what you can do is you can do things like automatically triage incidents or support tickets. We have customers that every day in their call center, they try to organize every call into maybe 25 you know, call labels, 25 categories, so that they can understand, you know, maybe route a call to the right agent, or at the end of the day, find out what were the top issues of the day. So custom cl or classifiers are really effective at organizing text into your own labels. And it's custom because you can give it the data to train it on your issues, your vocabulary, and give us your labels. Um, the automated training feature is, is really where the value is. You, you can actually just walk up to the service, and as opposed to picking an algorithm, which is what we do for you automatically, you don't, have to, you don't have to figure out how to train a model or test the model or even tune the model. You just simply go collect your documents. Go collect a bunch of examples of documents. So may, let's say, for example, you collect a bunch of transcribed phone calls. Maybe those phone calls represent pricing issues or customer loyalty. And you simply just create a CSV file. That's it. You create a CSV file literally in this schema. So you provide the text and the label, and then you submit it to the service. You can do this through an API, or you can actually do this in our console code free. So you, at your business, you can even have a, you know, a, a business analyst that works with, with data warehousing or BI projects go and train custom classifiers for you. The service itself, as I said, will look at the data, and it will pick from a variety of algorithms. It'll pick the right algorithm for the right data set. It will actually take a little bit of that data and set it aside and automatically train and tune and test this model. And we continually iterate this on your behalf as we're training to find the most optimum level of accuracy for your classifier. And then once you're done, it's there. It's hosted in the service, and then you could submit documents against it. So you could submit you know, the next batch of 1,000 phone calls, and the classifier will automatically return that text with the right label that you've taught the service. The next big feature that we built under Custom Comprehend is custom entities. So as you, as you remember, I showed you the, the typed entities that Comprehend did. Now you can go add your own. So in this example, you could see there's a bunch of text there. But what's really important on the top is you can see things like person or organization. Those are entity types that we've trained automatically. They're included in the service. And then what you can do now is you can actually go train entity types, for, for example, to remove your own part codes. right? And you can even do short snippets or phrases, so things like cancel the order or modest gains. We can go look for this text um, and type it based on what you've taught the service. Similar to custom classification, it's as simple as just preparing the data. We've effectively removed all of the knowledge of machine learning, or any dependencies on machine learning, and we've, taught the, we've created the ability for you to just make it a data preparation project. Go collect some data to train the service. To train the custom entities, you simply need two things. One is a list of the entities. So for example, you know, if you're an insurance company, go get a list of policy numbers and, and, and give it to the service. Here's the important part. Then go get a bunch of actual documents or unstructured text that contain those entities in the context of your business. So again, staying on the insurance example, go give us a bunch of unstructured decks that contain your policy numbers. What the service does on your behalf is it synthetically annotates the training data set. This is a really important part of NLP, which this is what the difference between regex or regular expression or finding a string matching versus a deep neural model. What that means is we'll actually know how that policy number is used in the context of your text. So there's two reasons. Is one, it increases accuracy. And number two is, as we all know that policy numbers aren't fixed. Of course, they're dynamically generated in most cases. But the service will continue to extract them as you add additional policy numbers because it's a deep neural model. So this is how do we think about it. And similar to classification, we go through all of these steps for you once you provide this data set. We automatically annotate the data. That's creates your training, your, your training data to train the service. 
We'll go through a variety of algorithms, pick the right one, and then we'll actually tune and train it for you. You could effectively start the job, go grab some coffee. When it's done, come back. You have a fully trained NLP model. And again, similar to classification, this is available either through the SDK or, th or through the console. Again, you could have business analysts train these custom NLP models for your business. Let me show you guys what this looks like. So I'm back in the portal here. On the left-hand side, you can see custom entity recognition. You can see I've been playing with the service myself. I built a financial entity extraction model. Um, and this is, a, this is how easy it is to train a custom entity model in Comprehend. You simply give us a name. You actually give us the type label. So if we were using my example, I'd just say policy number. That's just simply what I want to label the type of the entity. And then he, whoops. And then what we do here is, is you tell the service, how, how are you going to provide the data? So if you're a business that's been in the NLP space for a while, you likely have annotated data. So you could give us that. If you don't, then you can give us the examples as I showed you, and we'll go automatically annotate the data for you. So you'd select that option. And then at this point, you're just pointing to where the data is. So you say, my CSV file containing my entities is in this S3 bucket. The other bucket contains all of those unstructured documents that contain my entities in context, and that's it. And you provide some IAM role permissions, and that's it. The service will train for you. One of the things that we like to, you know, I, I find, we find ourselves drawing this picture quite a bit. And I, I think it's kind of an important picture. It, it, you know, it's like, what does unstructured versus structured data really mean? And in this case, um, this, is, this is literally a schema of what comes out of Comprehend. So on the left-hand side, you can imagine, let's say you want to do an analytics project. And you've got a bunch of documents. And you want to do things like extract people's names. Or you want to do things like extract organizations. Because you might want to join or filter or sort or you know, look for certain conditions being met, like you would with a database. Well, you'd use the entity type responses. And then you'd go off and create an analytics project, similar to what, what Ben's going to show you in a second. Now, what we've done with Custom Comprehend is we've effectively, as opposed to giving you a fixed schema right, with a certain finite set of entity types, you can now create your own. So we've really unlocked and made schematization of unstructured data dynamic. So you could make the schema whatever you'd like it to be for your business or your use case. Yesterday, we did a session. We had FINRA join us on stage. Uh, FINRA, as you know, if you don't know, they're a very large financial analytics company. They're using Comprehend today uh, to go through documents and to do things like find out who's in the document. Uh, find out you know, what, may, what uh, business or political affiliation they have. Um, they're using Comprehend to find things like locations or dates. Right? So businesses rely on Comprehend not, not just for the managed part, but the accuracy of the NLP. Really large companies like FINRA will depend on Comprehend to go into these documents and to find the, the people, find the locations. FINRA will also use custom classification to organize all the documents they get every day. They're ingesting millions of documents a day. Now they can use Comprehend via machine learning to accurately organize these documents. Here's a little bit of the architecture. Ben's going to go into more detail here. But one of the key things we like to show everyone, this is actually FINRA's deployed architecture, how they use Comprehend. Comprehend, you can really think of it in, from an architectural perspective as really just a, it's, it's like an unstructured NLP data adapter, right? So you'll think about it, you probably build it into a pipeline, build it into an, e, an ETL workflow. So you might be writing a bunch of documents, and then every day you're, you're coordinating a set of ETL operations to take those documents, send them to the service, retrieve structured response, and then write those to a store, in this case S3, and then go build your analytics project. So in this case, 
um, you know, the FINRA team yesterday, they, were, they joined us and they made a joke. They said, you know, we don't want the Comprehend team to feel so bad, but, you know, we really spend all of our time in Elasticsearch or Neptune, but we love that. That's really the goal of Comprehend is not to think about machine learning or really spend any time on it at all. It's simply to structureize your data and then go off and build a really cool solution on Elasticsearch or go build a content recommendation system in Neptune. And Ben's actually going to show you both of those demos today. But this is just an architectural way to think about where to put the service in your solution. And if you're new to NLP, and it's, I, a lot of hands went up, so I, I don't suspect a lot of people are new, but here are some of the top use cases we're seeing right now in NLP. So we have a lot of customers that come to us and say, hey, look, I want to know what's in the content because maybe I have an ad targeting business, right? Or maybe I want to build a really nice content recommendation experience for my customers. Uh, maybe my customers are coming to my website and as opposed to having them browse all this content, I can actually recommend content because I know what they're reading and I know the other things that are really important. So understanding what's in unstructured text enables you to do things like content personalization. Semant we, call, we call semantic search kind of a really big use case. What that simply means is you could take a service like Elasticsearch, Ben's going to show you this today, and you can, at, when you're indexing those documents, you can extract the entities or the key phrases and use that to increase boosting and ranking of the results. So if I'm a customer, oops, sorry guys, if I'm a customer and I'm going through and I'm searching for a specific entity or in my search string is a specific phase, phrase, uh, the Elasticsearch can now boost that document and put it higher in the result set. So this is kind of like a mini Google, right? It's a really a, a semantic understanding of the data and then allowing you to have a richer search experience. Or you can imagine a customer's on a document and you can tell them the other documents that they, they might read, not based on click paths, but actually in the content of the documents. Intelligent data warehouse is another one we talk about. That effectively means that, you know, if you think about that schematized uh, view I showed you of the data, you, what you really can do now is take that structured data in a data warehouse you can take strings of text that are coming in maybe from customer feedback. You could extract the organizations of the brands being mentioned. You can extract the sentiment from that feedback and then structureize it and then put it into your data warehouse. Load it into your data warehouse, do filters and joins and sorts. We have some customers that are doing things like saying they can correlate sales or marketing spend and activity with customer sentiment and feedback. Right? So these are new use cases that we're enabling, but you can stay within the data warehouse uh, tool of your choice. Social analytics is a very popular use case, of course. This is, hey, I want to know, this applies to all social, not just, you know, not, not just things like Facebook or Twitter, but you can do things like say, my customers are leaving feedback on my website, I want to know what they're saying. Or they're calling in and we want to understand the, the context of the call. Or we might be, you know, we had Chick-fil-A join us on stage uh, this summer and they're using Comprehend to understand in-store feedback. So their customers are coming in, they're experiencing, you know, having a great sandwich and then they're leaving feedback and Chick-fil-A is using that to get better at near real-time feedback or understanding what people are saying. And that allows them the next day to go deploy a change or make a fix if there's something they can fix. Or if they've launched a new product, they'll know within the next two to three days how well that's doing and in what regions because they're using Comprehend to understand that feedback. The service is also great just for general information management. We have a lot of customers say, you know, I use Comprehend to organize my documents based on what's in them. Uh, I use Comprehend to do things like filtering and sorting is better because I understand what's in them. Uh, they're using things like the grouping feature I talked about to say, you know, hey, if, if I've just done a, a project where I ported 10,000 documents from one content store to another, you know, I want to understand what's in them. Maybe I want to create new folders or new views to browse this data, make it more discoverable. So they'll, they'll use Comprehend for use cases like that. 
And again, I just want to show you guys one more time the variety of analytics use cases that Comprehend enables over on structured data. So on this slide, on the left hand, this is kind of the, just the, the little architecture cheat sheet. On the left-hand side is all the unstructured data. This is documents coming in from, again, web form feedback, news articles, whatever it is. You'll build an ETL pipeline, you'll ingest them, you'll run them through Comprehend, you'll structurize that unstructured data, and then you can go off into things like use Kinesis if you want to do a firehose implementation. Uh, you can use Elasticsearch, Ben will show you boosting and ranking. Or you could work with Redshift, or you could work with Aurora. Um, if you're doing something with unstructured text that requires, you know, obviously, distributed compute power, you can easily take the structured data and go into EMR and analyze it that way as well. A lot of phone calls today. Um, so at this point, I'm going to invite Ben up on stage to show us uh, some demos. Thanks, Ben. We can just switch laptops here really quickly. All right, so we're going to go through a set of demonstrations here next. Uh, the first demonstration we're going to be showing is how you could take uh, information, uh, run entity extraction from that information, and create a knowledge map, a knowledge graph of what that data represents, uh, and do a set of querying over that data. Uh, in this demonstration, we're actually using our uh, blog post. So hopefully everyone in the room is familiar with the AWS blog forums, some really good blog posts. That's my shameless plug for that. Uh, but we have blog posts about big data, AI, ML, uh, architectural patterns, these different blog forums. So what we've done for this demonstration is we've taken those data sources and loaded that all into S3 first. So that data lives in S3, and that data consists of you know, the author, what the title is, some of the metadata about the blog post. And that alone we could build a, a graph with, right? So we could actually see what are the authors, what blog forums are they posting on, that sort of thing. But what we wanted to do is we really want to enrich that data. We want to run uh, entity extraction on that information and not only understand you know, what forums are different blog posts uh, uh, being uh, consumed with, but also what are the common entities that different authors are talking about? Uh, who are similar authors? What are the most common entities being discussed on our forums? Uh, those sorts of queries. So that's, that's kind of framing uh, what we did for this demonstration. This could easily be done for other types of data sources, uh, but we're doing this for the blog data here. And I promise this is only one of two slides we're going to show. The rest is going to be stepping through uh, what this looks like in, in real life. <clears throat> so let's go ahead and show uh, what that data looks like really quickly. And I'm going to sh first show uh, the data coming into S3. So um, this blog data is coming into S3. I'm just bringing up one of the S3 objects here. Uh, really, really great. I get to use S3 select to be able to see this. And the way that the graph data, um, you could bring in graph data different forms, um, either property graphs or RDF graphs. Uh, and we happen to be doing um, this as a property graph. So here, uh, sorry, I'll make it a little bit bigger. Feel free to like, give me a big thumbs up or thumbs down, uh, hopefully mostly thumbs up uh, in the back there. <laughs> um, thanks. Uh, so this is the data coming in. Uh, and this right now doesn't include any entities, right? This is just the metadata coming in from the RSS feeds that we're ingesting. So you can see the big data forum here, uh, some of the titles. Uh, over on the left-hand side is a unique ID that we hash from the title. That way it doesn't change if we uh, want to re-update nodes, that sort of thing. 
So this is the data. Uh, what we've actually done is we've, uh, through a serverless pipeline using uh, uh, step functions, Lambda, we'll, we'll look at some of the Lambda code in a moment, uh, we actually created some enriched uh, uh, node information to be able to add on top of that. So if we actually take a look over here now, I happen to be using S3 Select just to show some of this data. Uh, this, uh, this is actually um, really easy to start looking at some of your data in S3 if you want to uh, you know, look at some of it. Uh, but what you can see here is the particular article ID, that same hash ID uh, for the RSS feed uh, article, uh, and what the name entity type is, what, what the actual entity is. Uh, so over here you can see organizations, quantities, titles, uh, that sort of thing. So I promise we're going to show a lot cooler visualizations from this, but I find it's useful to frame uh, what is the data coming into the graph as we start analyzing the data. So let's go ahead and look at uh, what it took to bring this data in. Uh, so this is actually using Lambda uh, to be able to process this data. Uh, I could have used other, uh, other patterns like using glue. Uh, if this data um, was a large data set, um, there's other patterns I could have used. So it doesn't have to be Lambda in this case. Um, FINRA happens to be using a, a Lambda pipeline as well with, with uh, step functions. Uh, but if we take a look at this, uh, the reason I like to show this, bless you, is just how easy it is to call the comprehend service. Um, so um, this is actually the call on line 32 here to be able to detect entities. Uh, so these entities being returned uh, from this single call includes all the uh, named entities and the name types coming out. So if you're a developer, if you're a database admin, if you're uh, very comfortable in uh, one of the many, many languages that we support in our SDKs, you could actually do these calls and get the, the various uh, objects back uh, from the NLP algorithm. So in the next flow, we're actually going to show not only entities, but key phrases, uh, uh, parts of speech, uh, that sort of thing as well. Uh, I just happen to be showing one call here. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the graphs that we're building. I'm going to bring up Neptune. Um, Hopefully everyone's familiar with Neptune. It's our graph database. Uh, lets you have uh, billions and billions of nodes into a, a graph structure. Uh, supports, as I mentioned, both property graphs as well as uh, kind of semantic graphs through RDF. Uh, and I have this uh, graph database running here. And even though this is fully managed, I spin it up, uh, everything is handled for me, uh, I'm actually going to be querying this data using uh, Gremlin. Uh, Gremlin is an open source uh, um, query technology, so it's part of Apache. I promise I'll make that bigger. Um, and what I'm going to show first uh, is just what some of that query syntax looks like. So a common question I get is, as you're enriching your data, I, um, if it's in a relational database called Comprehend, usually you're using SQL to then query the data. If it's in graph form, it's actually a different query interface, that sort of thing. So I wanted to show what that query interface looks like, and then we'll show some uh, kind of graph visualizations through a browser after that. So to show that, uh, I'm actually going to start a uh, uh, Gremlin Tinkerpop console here. Uh, nice thing about this is if I have code that's working using the open source standards, I can just point it to Neptune, start querying my data, uh, that sort of thing. So these next two calls here are actually going to, um, I happen to be running this on an EC2 instance, uh, just to show the example. Um, I'm actually uh, connecting and telling the Gremlin uh, API here uh, on this EC2 instance where the endpoint is. Uh, so this is just pointing to my Neptune instance here. And now what I could do is I could actually start querying this data. And the nice thing about 
using a graph here is I could do some really complicated graph queries, right? I could say, um, tell me all the different uh, RSS feeds that uh, have similar authors that are all talking about SageMaker, uh, or all talking about these suites of services, or um, what are common uh, authors talking about the same entities, and do those sorts of queries really, really effectively uh, through the, the, the query syntax, rather than try and do like join after join after join after join like I would if this was in a SQL database. Uh, the query that we're going to show here is actually uh, doing an uh, eigenvector. Uh, so what this is showing is, out of my graph, what are the most influential nodes? Uh, so which nodes uh, are the most highly connected? It's a little different than degrees, um, but uh, a similar way of thinking of it in terms of uh, what are the most influential nodes uh, within my graph. And, not too surprising, since this is from an AWS RSS blogs. Um, you know, AWS and Amazon are talked about most. They're the most influential entities. Uh, these are all different entities extracted, right? So these are um, not only just a name, but I could actually do queries saying what are the most influential organizations, people, uh, titles, software systems, those sorts of queries here. It doesn't have to just be what's the most influential node. Um, these are all uh, based on those entity types, or your own custom entity types if you uh, build those uh, custom entities that Nino was discussing. I could live in the terminal all day long. I love terminals, but don't worry, I'm going to switch to an interface here now. And this interface here, uh, I happen to be using an open source uh, project to show this data, uh, Graph EXP. Uh, this is a slightly older one. Uh, one of my colleagues was showing me a, a little fancier one, uh, if you pull it now. Um, but we also have a lot of partners that sit on top of your graphs, your graph knowledges, that sort of things. Uh, Keylines, Graph History, uh, you know, Tom Sawyer, uh, different products that could sit on top uh, to be able to provide some rich query interfaces on top of your knowledge graphs. And to show a little bit about here, uh, so what I'm doing now is I'm uh, bringing up all the different node types. You'll notice kind of over on the left-hand side here, uh, these are various entities being pulled out through entity extraction. Through that single line that I showed you, detect entities, uh, write that data back to S3, do a Neptune load. Uh, very similar to how you load like a, a Redshift. Uh, it's most effective to actually have the data in S3 and do load calls. I could do inserts, uh, but the most effective way getting data into Neptune is doing that load process. And uh, what we could do now is we could actually start navigating this graph. Uh, so let's say I care about uh, PyTorch, for an example. You know, what I could do here is I could uh, do a query. Uh, I get my PyTorch node back. Uh, but I could start browsing the graph and seeing how Py that PyTorch entity, so we know it's an entity. Uh, we know it's a commercial item here. Um, and what we could do is we could actually start browsing how that item related to the data set that I've been processing in my, in my uh, Neptune graph through uh, um, the NLP from Comprehend. Uh, so here we actually see the, the edge. I'm actually going to show the names here. Uh, so now what we can see is this is the article talking about PyTorch. Um, this is the actual entity being pulled back, the commercial item. Uh, it's obviously nice to be able to color code these, so now we're color coding them. Uh, but I can actually start browsing this graph now and seeing how uh, the various uh, uh, nodes all get related to each other. So this is actually an author that wrote about these two elements. I could also uh, start spinning this out and start uh, looking at this more and more. And keep in mind, um, this happens to be using an open source visualization. You'll notice some of the, the buffering and the text isn't, isn't fantastic there. Um, but the important part here is 
the query and the navigation and being able to uh, access this data using your own applications, your own uh, visualizations. Uh, some of our really powerful partners that have a lot slicker interfaces than this open source one on top of the data. Uh, just to show another example. Uh, oh, kind of small. Sorry about that. Here, let me make it a little bit bigger. Yes, thank you. So next, we're, we'll search for MySQL here. And you know, same sort of thing here. Uh, the reason I like to show this, some, this one sometimes is um, it really kind of, um, as you're navigating this one, uh, you can actually see how different authors are talking about different database technologies. So many of the authors um, that as we started navigating this, you know, a lot of the authors uh, specialize in like the open source uh, products. So I saw a lot of data where an author writes about MySQL and Postgres and some of those open source engines. Uh, we, have, we had other authors that were really focusing on the commercial engines on top of RDS, uh, that sort of thing. And you could really start seeing those clusters and as you're looking at the data, uh, how that is all uh, related there. Okay. I could really talk all day about this stuff, uh, but on the interest of time, I'm um, going to shift over and show a little bit more uh, of the richer query interfaces on top of Comprehend. Uh, so in this flow, what we're going to really be showing is uh, taking that same RSS data, and instead of creating a graph, uh, so, uh, instead of creating a, a property graph, we're actually going to be enriching data into an Elasticsearch and start querying over that data set. And instead of just focusing on entities, um, we're actually going to be showing how you could pull entities out, key phrases. Uh, so if I'm an airline company, a key phrase would be like a first-class upgrade, right? That's not really an uh, a entity, but that's a, a, a key noun phrase that I might care about in my system, especially as it relates to sediment and these other artifacts. Uh, we're going to be showing the sediment uh, as well as the syntax. Uh, syntax is a really neat feature where uh, you can actually pull out the different parts of speech what are the verbs, nouns, pronouns, um, uh, different uh, punctuation. You can then plug that into your own custom algorithms, uh, that sort of thing. Um, you'll notice this flow is actually slightly different. Uh, so we're actually leveraging uh, data firehose to get the data inside Elasticsearch in this flow um, to be able to then ingest those documents. Okay. So, um, since we're actually using a slightly different data store, uh, we're actually prepping the data slightly different, uh, differently before loading it into Elasticsearch. So Elasticsearch, uh, we're actually uh, structuring the data so it's loading the JSON documents inside the Elasticsearch. Um, and in here, uh, I'll actually show uh, a little bit about the raw data here coming in. Uh, I'll make it bigger. Uh, thank, thank you. Uh, so here you actually see, this is actually the same data uh, that I was showing earlier. It's just in a slightly different form. Before it was in a property uh, graph form where it actually had uh, the title, uh, the description, uh, the uh, author, all these different fields in a, a slightly different form. Uh, here we're actually creating a JSON document that's getting loaded into Elasticsearch uh, to be able to then uh, do this uh, uh, rich querying on top of it. Uh, the reason I like to show this is a lot, what you see here is not only uh, the data from the, um, uh, from the actual uh, RSS feed, 
But if I actually scroll down here, uh, this is actually a lot of the uh, summary and information. Uh, I could also see a lot of the data coming back from Comprehend here. Uh, we're going to be stepping through a Kibana dashboards and start analyzing this data in a moment. Uh, but I'd like to show this just so you can see, that, again, what that raw data uh, looks like coming in. Uh, another thing that you'll notice here is the offset information. So the data coming in to Comprehend actually has uh, various textual information uh, when you're calling detect entities in this example. And if the entity is actually mentioned multiple times in that text, text information, uh, it indicates uh, what the different offsets are uh, for the multiple times that entity was, uh, was recognized. So if you want to play around with this yourself, it's really nice. Uh, Nino was showing that console. If you uh, plug in your own text, uh, talk about various entities multiple times, go to like the advanced view that's showing the JSON response, you can actually see a lot of this yourself for your, uh, for your own data. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and uh, build some better visualizations here. Um, so this is the uh, Elasticsearch cluster that I have running. Um, you know, really, really nice. I, I launched this up. Um, you know, it's pretty much fully managed. Uh, it has a Kibana front end. You could integrate that with things like Cognito uh, for authentication. Um, and what we have running here is uh, that data getting funneled into this Elasticsearch. If I go to my indices, uh, you'll notice uh, there's, uh, this is the actual indice that, uh, or index that uh, contains the um, metadata that we're going to be querying, uh, uh, both the entities, uh, key phrases, as well as the uh, original metadata. And then uh, I'll go back to this. Uh, but one thing I like to show a lot of times is um, how to structure your Elasticsearch to handle the nesting of complex objects in your document. Uh, we're going to illustrate this uh, in kind of one ANSI pattern I've seen where people um, thought they were structuring the data a certain way. And the way Elasticsearch does its reverse indexing, um, you know, just something to look out for. So we're going to step through that in a moment. So I'm going to keep that screen up. Or uh, just kidding. I, uh, actually, I'll bring this another tab up and go into Kibana here. Uh, how many folks in the room are familiar with Kibana? Excellent. I like it when a large percent of the room raises their hand like that. One, it means people are actually paying attention, which is really good. Uh, but also, uh, um, Kibana is a great tool, um, especially for you know engineers, log analysis, that sort of thing. Uh, so I'll make it bigger. Uh, I just like to wander uh, as soon as I get back. Uh, but Kibana allows you to build these dashboards on top of your Elasticsearch indices. Um, and what we're going to be showing here is um, how you could actually start querying uh, both the raw metadata as well as some of this enriched data uh, that we're uh, bringing into uh, Kibana. So if I actually look at uh, the data that we've ingested so far this year here, um, these are all the different articles that are coming in. Uh, and if I actually take a look at this, and not too surprising, uh, if I actually look at this and compare it to uh, you know, what I was showing earlier, you'll notice the similar fields, right? The JSON flowing in here that I was showing earlier uh, in S3 is actually the data that's flowing into Elasticsearch here. Uh, so we have you know, the various entities with the score. Uh, so the score, the confidence. Um, you know, in a moment, we're going to actually search for SageMaker, but we're going to actually put a threshold of 0.99 as a score to be able to show how that uh, affects our, our querying here. So let's uh, go ahead and do that. And then after that, we're going to actually start building some visualizations on the NLP uh, aspect of our metadata uh, after that. So if I actually go up here and search for SageMaker now, uh, we notice there's actually 19 results that got returned here. 
And if we actually look over here, what we could do is we get look at some of these results. Uh, and we see uh, right now we're actually not specifying uh, necessarily the entities or the textual information itself. So we just did a freeform search for SageMaker. We actually didn't say search for the entity SageMaker or the entity of the commercial item SageMaker. We just did a freeform uh, search in this example. If we want to actually search our entity structure within Elasticsearch, uh, we could do that. Uh, and we do that by uh, specifying in here essentially uh, what field we're searching. So we're actually uh, saying uh, search the uh, entities. And it happens to be the same because we matched every entity. Uh, we're going to start reducing this data set in a moment. Uh, but um, we actually got 14 results uh, returned. Let me just hit it again to make sure I'm staying honest with you guys. OK. Uh, so we actually uh, have these 14 results returned, same 14 results, because we extracted all those entities out. Um, one thing I'd like to show is what if I only wanted a confidence score of 99 or greater, 0.99 or greater. You know, what I could do here is do something like this. And uh, 11 got returned now, and um, which, which looks nice. It looks like it's working at, uh, at the service. But um, it's actually not the right results. And the reason I want to show this is uh, you'll notice I'm actually searching an entity type called unnested. What this is really searching in Elasticsearch is if I don't nest my objects within Elasticsearch, if I have an object uh, within here, and let's actually take a look at one to solidify this, if I actually have this JSON coming in uh, with these various uh, entities, if I want to keep the cornality of score to entity and be able to search uh, the AND clause of where it's SageMaker and within the uh, same nested object is score of port 99, which is different than um, any entity that has, or any document that has SageMaker and any document that might have a score of 0.99 or greater. So those are two different things. Um, and the way you actually structure that is, it's not necessarily a comprehend uh, thing, but it, it's something that we see a lot of folks um, run into when they bring in comprehend and other types of enrichments. And the way we actually set that up here in this example is if we actually take a look at the indices and the mappings here, if we actually tell it within the mappings, um, that essentially uh, under comprehend um, that you should treat entities as a nested object, I could then keep that cornality. It doesn't completely flatten all the attributes of the nested fields. Um, so that's kind of just one pattern I like to bring up, just because a lot of people that are bringing these systems together have these complex JSONs. And if you want to be able to query that cornality, it's uh, kind of an important thing to call out. So let me actually show an example of getting the real results back uh, for what I wanted to do in this query. Uh, I'm actually going to be showing it in this uh, interface here. And in this query, what we're going to be doing, we don't have uh, rich ML services that will fix my typing and stuff like that. So I have all this copied in. I paste these in here just because I'm super lazy. Um, what you'll notice in this query now that we're doing, and can you guys see it OK in the back? OK, cool. Um, what we're doing is we're actually saying query over the nested element entities and keep the cornality so that it has to match SageMaker. And under that SageMaker entity, it has to be a match of 0.99. And you'll notice it actually returned five documents this time instead of the 11, because those are the five documents that have the 0.99 score uh, within SageMaker. Just to show another example, uh, and this, this one's actually going to be querying parts of speech. 
uh, if I actually wanted to query uh, within my system, uh, you know, anytime there's uh, a part of speech of a verb, uh, a score of port 0.99 and uh, the verb of build. Uh, and I can do, you know, since this is now reverse indexing, right, I could do uh, fuzzy magic and I could do, you know, all the power of kind of Lucene under the covers uh, that Elasticsearch uses, I could start querying those features on top of my entities as well. I just happen to be, um, you know, showing um, kind of these the simple queries to, to begin with. And, and we'll notice, uh, you know, essentially um, the 33 documents over here. We use build a lot in our blog posts. We like to use lots of uh, kind of verbose verbs uh, uh, on those blog posts. So that's why uh, there's five of them returned in here. Or excuse me, there's a, um, quite a few returned, 33 returned here. So let's, uh, let's take a look at visualizing some of this data. Um, you know, the first thing I'm going to show is uh, just visualizing authors. Uh, so in here, um, across all of our different blog posts, I created this one visualization um, that's uh, visualizing all the authors. Um, you'll notice that the reason I want to show this first is this is actually isn't using any of the NLP output yet. Uh, but what I wanted to show is showing how you could sh build these multiple visualizations some of them being the NLP output, some of them being the other metadata, and then how you could build a dashboard that you could filter across any combination of those, be able to start driving into the data and driving some of the insights. Uh, so that's the basis, the reason why I want to start uh, with this example. So if we actually go back now and we look at something like a entity pie chart, uh, what this is showing here is across our entities, um, what are all the different entities? And then at the outer layer, uh, or the inner layer is actually all the different entity types. Uh, so if I actually take a look over here and go inside the inner layer, you'll notice uh, this is an entity type of organization. This is an entity type of title, uh, quantity, date. I just filtered on date on accident, just because I, like, I really like to click uh, touchpads. Um, so those are, that's the inner ring. And then on the outer ring, we can actually see what the actual count of the various entities were across all the different data sets that uh, we brought into the system. So this is, this is actually pulling uh, from uh, that entity extraction. So uh, this is events uh, from AWS, you know, uh, just kind of browsing through here. Um, I'm just randomly selecting things. This is the commercial item RDS uh, as two examples. The nice thing about this now is, um, in the interest of time, uh, or actually, I have a little bit of time. So uh, we can also build a word cloud. So this is a word cloud or a tag cloud of all the different entities uh, that are coming in. And what we could do is now is we have to start building some dashboards. And once we have the dashboards, we can start filtering and slicing and dicing the data um, across that, that query set. So I could actually bring in, I'm going to just I'm pretty lazy, so I just clicked all three of those. Uh, we didn't have this dashboard created ahead of time. I could have created these visualizations. It, it doesn't take much. You know, it's, um, it is a bit like clickopotamacy, where you know, it does take a little clicking here and there. Uh, so in the interest of time, I didn't uh, click each of those. Uh, but what we could do now is uh, we see the authors, uh, we could do different tag clouds here for the entities, the key phrases, um, you know, just in general. Uh, but what I could also do is I could actually start filtering this. So if I care about all the entities or the sediments or uh, other aspects as it relates to uh, other parts of this metadata, I can actually click this. And now what you'll notice is the different charts updated. So this chart actually updated down here when I filtered on public sector as an example. So I, I could also go up here and do any of the keyword searching up here. 
Uh, so if I uh, get rid of this and I search for example SageMaker, uh, you know all of the different charts. Uh, if I spell it right, spell it right. Okay. Um, hey, Brad is the top author there. I don't know. He's not in the room, probably. Um, so uh, what we could do here now is, since we could just start doing the searching, uh, we could then start filtering all these visualizations. Uh, you could also do the different query boost boosting with an Elasticsearch. So if you want to really downgrade or upgrade uh, parts of your, your querying, um, these are kind of these are features of Elasticsearch at this point. But now that we have the merged data set for our entities and these other uh, elements, we can start doing that as well. One last thing I'll show uh, here quickly is uh, some of the parts of speech. So these are the entities here. Um, I actually stored both the entities nested and unnested. That way I could illustrate you know, that, um, the flattening effect. Uh, but if we actually uh, look down here, you'll notice various key phrases like algorithms, key phrases, workflow, machine learning, the past 12 months. Uh, so these, so key phrases actually don't have, they don't have a type, right? Entities have a type, uh, but the key phrases don't have a type associated to them. They're really these uh, noun phrases here. Uh, and then the last part I wanted to show is uh, the various parts of speech. Uh, so down here, you'll notice, um, you know, the different parts of speech. Uh, uh, I really wish I ramped up on my grammar, but the punctuation, the pronouns, the uh, nouns, the verbs. Um, and again, in all these data sets, you get where in the data uh, that this uh, represented. So where was the beginning index and ending index of those parts of speech? So those were the key things we want to run through really quickly. Um, and uh, I, I think next we'll turn it back over to Nino here. So one of the other things, too, that Ben did, um, he wrote, I'm going to try to figure out. We kind of closed all the computers. Hang on a sec, guys. Um, do, do me a favor. Can you pull up your, uh, your blog, the QuickSight one? So one of the other things that Ben did, um, he wrote a really great blog that has a formation template in it that you can, you can just single click deploy. Oops, sorry. Can we show the, the slide? Is that better? Okay, well, we'll, we'll get that fixed. I'll, I'll speak to this. So uh, ben, ben wrote a blog, which is social analytics uh, demo. And in this blog, there's a formation template that you can just single click deploy, and it has the full pipeline end-to-end -end working. And what this does is it gives you, it actually ingests tweets, but you can change out the data source to be news articles, customer comments and feedback, transcribed phone calls in your, in your, from your call center. Um, and what, what you do is he runs it through a Kinesis Firehose, and then he writes it to S3, and he has a set of Lambda functions that take every one of those documents, send it to Comprehend, write it back, and then he does some data binding with Athena to display the results onto a dashboard. In this case, he uses QuickSight, but you could use Tableau, you could use just plain old vanilla Excel. But it's actually one of my favorites um, to, to mention. Thanks so much. 
because when you step back, it actually gives you full-blown text analytics end-to-end -end out of the box. So the way that you find it, I think, I think what I do is I typically just Google, I Google Ben Snively quick site demo. Um, but in this blog, it t I, I urge you to go check this blog out. You can go step by step and build your own text analytics pipeline without writing any new code. And if you want to swap out the data source, you can. I think it, it, it natively integrates with Twitter. So we urge you to check that out. Here's just a little bit of a uh, visual of what that solution does. So again, if you guys are interested in building any kind of text analytics, customer feedback, call center analysis, this is a full-blown solution end-to-end -end you can deploy in a formation template. So with that said, yesterday we, we kind of uh, messed up. We finished uh, too late, so we, we didn't have room for Q&A. So today we're going to finish early. And if you'd like to stay back, we're going to hang out and take your Q&A. So thank you so much for coming.